This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Welcome to Sustainable-ish. It is absolutely marvellous to have you here. Now, apologies to those of you who've been hanging out for this week's episode. I'm sure there's, I don't know, maybe one of you. (laughs) You may have noticed that my publishing schedule has a little bit of, um, let's call it slack in it. On good weeks, episodes are out first thing on a Tuesday. On not so good weeks, I am frantically trying to record intros on a Wednesday afternoon before the school pick up and all hell and resultant noise breaks loose. I will leave you to guess which week I'm having this time. So today I'm chatting to Helen and Joe, co-founders of Ecotales, who have been friends from school since the age of 12. And together they formed Ecotales, which is a podcast for primary school children that aims to share nature knowledge and inspire future generations to love and defend the planet. And it does this brilliantly through stories and songs, helped by a cast, if you like, of 26 animated alphabet characters. So there's Polyplastic and Willow Water and Etta Earth. And alongside all those friends, they tell these Ecotales to not only engage children, but also to help us as grown-ups to start having some of these conversations with our own kids about some of the big issues that we're facing. In this episode of Sustainable-ish, we dig into how to talk to our kids about the climate crisis without freaking them out when we may well be freaking out ourselves, how to get older kids on board, what role schools should be playing in educating children about the future they might be facing, and a whole host of other stuff. Now, If that all sounds a little bit hardcore, a little bit heavy, please don't worry, it's honestly not. It's more of a light-hearted chinwag over a cuppa where Joe and Helen and I share our experiences, things that have worked, some things that haven't when it comes to talking to our kids about the planet. Enjoy. Hi guys, how are you? Hello, very well, very well. Lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on Sustainable-ish. Can you start off by introducing yourselves and Ecotales? Yeah, certainly. So I'm Helen Martin. And I'm Joe Churchman. And yeah, together we're the co-founders of Ecotales. Brilliant. So tell us a bit more about Ecotales and what you do with Ecotales. So we originally set up Ecotales really with the aim to encourage people um, to reconnect with nature. Um, and sort of inspire future generations to to basically sort of love and defend the magical natural world around them. Um, And in doing so, we've created a series of 26 unique little characters, um, uh, effectively sort of an environmental Mr. Men, 
I absolutely love that. I can't <laughs> tell you how much I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and each of our little characters uh, has its own personality and really aims to either sort of champion environmental cause or, or natural uh, or natural cause or highlight uh, an environmental issue. Um, and then through those, we've developed a series of songs and stories, um, each of which enable us to highlight cause concerns or stories around environmental issues. Um, and there's a host of characters, all of whom can interact with others and highlight um, a variety of different, different who really want to draw attention to. Brilliant. And they're all available, the ones you've done so far, as free downloads as a podcast, aren't they? That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. Either through ecotales.co.uk or, or, or through any of the sort of uh, podcast search engines, so through um, yeah, iTunes and uh, Google Play, etc. Right. And is there a particular age group in mind for them? Yeah, we're kind of aiming at, at six to nine, maybe mm-hmm. above. Yeah, I mean, we started off initially with sort of, you know, quite a finite remit for that age. And we sort of felt that stories of this nature would engage with, as Joe says, between children of that age. Um, but we're finding more and more frequently that children, older children are engaging as well with the stories. Um, and we're getting feedback from children, you know, up to early teens saying how much they've enjoyed the stories and, and actually could they be part of them as well? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Trying to recruit themselves for characters. and We're always on the lookout for voices. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah and absolutely. You've got a thing, haven't you, for, for people to submit their own story yeah. or, or to make up their own character, is that right? Indeed, yeah, we launched an initiative which actually is available um, on the teaching resource site, TES, which allows, which is effectively a sort of an initiative that en- encourages children to or anybody really, to look to draft short stories, so sort of 500 word stories, mm. or design their own Ecotales character. So, Love it. Have um, you had some really interesting submissions? Fantastic, well, yes. yeah, really One of our great. New characters, Izzy Insect. Oh, really? Yeah. Izzy Invertebrate, yeah. Oh, she's, Invertebrate, yeah. yeah. Oh. She's going to be with the infect. <laughs> so she's one of the characters that was a submission through the, the initiative, the uh, yeah, Ecotales Warrior Initiative. So um, once, once people have submitted their entries, they are eligible to become an Ecotales warrior. And there's a certificate which they can be downloaded as well through TES, which allows them, um, which can be presented to children. So it, yeah, nice. I will post a link to the TES site on the show notes so people can go and have a look. I think that's a fabulous idea. <laughs> How did the idea for Ecotales come about? What were you guys doing beforehand? And, and how did that all come together into this project? Well, it started a really long time ago with a film I was involved in writing and co-directing called Gloop. And that was all about plastic pollution at a time when plastic pollution was completely unheard of. In mm-hmm. um, and it came about, we were just searching for ideas. And I think one of them was like make, do and mend. And someone else was talking about growing their own vegetables. And I had just had a baby at the time. And I just remember standing in my kitchen, looking around, thinking there is so much plastic in here. And I'm always a bit sceptical of anything man-made. Just started doing a little bit of research. I remember the first thing I saw was an albatross, a mother feeding its chick with plastic. And I was crying. And I wrote, because I was reading lots of stories and things at the time, wrote the script for it. It's like a bit like a a twisted fairy tale, Mm -hmm. a rhyme. And we just, as soon as I showed everyone what was going on in the world of plastic pollution, they were just like, oh my goodness, right, definitely this is what we're doing. So Bloop, Bloop started it and actually went on 
to win quite a few awards around the world, which was took us all by surprise. <laughs> we didn't even know if it was any good. <laughs> and then it led on to an educational project where we mobilised most of the primary schools in the borough of Richmond and got them involved in a, an arts festival that was all centred around raising awareness of plastic pollution. And um, we also ran a film competition, which ended up going global itself. We had um, entries from all over the world. And David Attenborough was kind enough to come down and join us. I can't believe that. That's it. I can't do any more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Check. That's bucket list stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was incredible. But I mean, obviously, this was all pre the Blue Planet days. So yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he had already given his visibility, you know, across the oceans and, and around the world. To these issues he was obviously championing this cause from the very from the very very beginning yeah mm. yeah this was a long time ago and um and then and then i kind of carried on we carried on um with trying to raise awareness of plastic pollution but at the time i mean it was about six years ago that this happened and so at the time people just didn't get it mm. and and we were kind of blocked from every angle, <laughs> by some of the, even by some of the large retailers. Yeah, so a massive household name that I won't mention. <laughs> basically told to be quiet. And really? But uh, polluting children's minds. Yeah. Oh my god. So there was ruffling dangerous feathers. Very, very heated discussions <laughs> yeah. early on. So Isn't that, in a way, though, that's quite heartening that in such a short period of time, we it feels like we've come so far from that. I end. know. That people, I it's whether it's solely the Blue Planet effect, but people are now exactly. much readier, much more willing to hear that message and to act it's, on it. Yeah, yeah, a huge shift in mindset as well, in consumer behaviour and consumer, well, obviously we're not all the way there yet, but just given that short period of time. So yeah. But people have woken up, so mm. once that happen. Yes, yeah, definitely. Indeed. So, so since the days, the heady days of plastic, we've... Yeah. Um, changed the 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 focus slightly of the details, yeah. and so we've opened it up to a whole remit of different different issues. Which um, is, that's your idea. Helen so, phoned me one day and said, "I know you don't want to talk about plastic. <laughs> <laughs> I do for eco tales. I was like, no, I'm not talking about plastic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of our, I'm not allowed to talk about plastic. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, exactly. <laughs> but one of our characters, Polly Plastic, she still is, you know, very instrumental in the storylines that we're, we're developing. And she is sort of our indestructible superhero. So yeah. if you go and check her out, she's website. got a song coming out soon, actually. Yes. And it's oh, has she? Yeah. <laughs> and so, what are the longer term aims for Eco Tales? What do you hope to do with it if that's not too impolite? Yeah. No, I mean, I think for us, ultimately, um, we would really like to become en- instrumental in sort of redefining the education agenda. Um, and obviously not just, we mentioned plastic here, but there's a whole remit of issues and, and natural kind of subjects, really, that we'd like to champion and that we would like to be instrumental in redefining and um, implementing the education agenda, really. Mm. Because it um, is really important that we talk to our kids about the climate crisis and about plastic pollution and things like that. But I think lots of us, myself included, struggle to know how to do that without scaring the pants off them yeah 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 indeed and I I think it's kind of really that's part and parcel of why we created EcoTales as a whole because we obviously 
we want to share these pressing issues to children, but in a kind of an engaging way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With a dollop of humour. Yeah. Absolutely. And also make them aware of the severity, like you say, but without, you know, freaking them out, really. <laughs> and yeah. Make them aware of the severity of the issues, but also how their own actions can impact the world around us, what they can do to basically contribute to kind of changing human behaviour. Yeah, I think it's hard, isn't it? Because as adults, as our generation, we're just coming to terms with this issue and the fact that we've helped to contribute towards it and we're still kind of getting our heads around it and then trying to help our kids get their heads around it as well it does feel really difficult it is I'm quite honest and open with my kids about it though yeah I do I mean obviously I don't I don't scare them completely (laughs) (laughs) I will I will tell them what I think and the reasons why you know we're not buying that Mm -hmm. Yeah, or the way, you know, the reasons behind why we are, why we're doing certain things at home. I think part and parcel of it, you know, it does, you know, the behaviour that we, or the the practices at home, they all contribute to the way that our children will behave going forward, uh, decisions they make, everything. From consumer decisions to, you know, behaviour changes. I would say, actually, something I was saying earlier is that I will, if they want to buy something, Say like they want to buy a pizza from from the supermarket. I would. I'd have to just read the back of it, shall we? Oh, it's got palm oil. We can't. That's why we make our pizzas at home now. <laughs> Much to their. <laughs> I don't like my pizzas, but they don't have palm oil in. <laughs> yeah. But and then I explain, you know, what palm oil is and why, you know, why we can't why we can't have it, why we can't be giving our money to that industry. Yeah. It's so hard though, isn't it? Because I will be in the supermarket with mine and this was when they were a bit younger, they're 10 and eight now, but I remember being in the supermarket and, you know, the magazine aisle and the bloody magazines with all the crap on them. Like the youngest one having a full on, you know, proper head fit tantrum that I wouldn't let him buy this stuff (laughs) and trying to stand there and explain to him in the supermarket why I didn't want him to have it. And at the time it felt like it had just gone completely over his head. But the next time we were there, he went, oh, mummy, I'm going to choose this one instead. Or, but it's at the same time, you also have that wrench. God, I, I don't, I don't want them to miss out. Sound, missing out sounds like they're being really traumatised by not having a magazine. But do you know, like... Uh, no, I do get it. Be aware of stuff and to make better choices, but you also don't want to feel them to feel guilty about wanting the same stuff as other kids have. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, I, I mean, I just yesterday signed a petition to stop McDonald's giving a billion plastic... Yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> most, most ending up in landfill. Yeah. And, so absolutely, you know, and it's and, and it's responsibility of you know certainly these larger corporations to lead the way and set set the agenda and really mm. you otherwise know, make we're a fighting difference. them the whole time. Everything we Instead do is fighting it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's very difficult to when when I say to people that you know there are all these things you can do in your home and as your family and they say but you know who's who's the corporations aren't changing, so why should we? But I think that everybody has to change. Governments, business, yeah, individuals. Absolutely. And as individuals, we can help to drive that change. And it's recognising that consumer yeah. power as well. Yeah, consumer power is huge. We could put them out of business just by not buying yeah, their products. Absolutely. And funnily enough, we, we ran a little few weeks ago, we ran a, a poll on Twitter, actually, um, and a little survey, and we opened up to people and asked who they thought was ultimately responsible for teaching and inspiring children to behave in a sort of more ethically conscious way. Mm. 
Um, but the results, I mean, the results were really interesting in that they felt that most people believed it was a combination of a majority of institutions, so schools, family, government, business and media. Yeah. That sort of came top of the result poll. However, second was family and people, most people thought that, you know, highlighting that this behavior needed to begin at home. Yeah. Sort of, again, instrumental in informing decisions going forward. So, so yeah, I mean, I think like you say, we all have a, we all have a role to play and it's, um, and we can, we continue to do our best obviously to, to inform those decisions from home. Yeah, absolutely. So how old are you guys? How old are your kids? Uh, mine are eight and five. And mine are 12, eight and seven. Okay. And so do you see a big difference in how the younger ones um, sort of process information, I guess, or engage with it in, to how the, say, the 12-year-old would? Yes, totally. The 12-year-old is less interested. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, the, the younger ones will. But when he was little, he was he was more interested. Yeah, um, but he he's yeah he'd rather talk about football these days. But yeah. the young, <laughs> do take it on, and they really care because yeah. children do inherently care about nature. And yeah, it, and I guess what you're, what you're doing with eco tales and things is is engaging kids with nature, and through that, ways that we can better look after nature rather than going. Oh my God, we all need to panic and things are going to yeah, be absolutely. a mess. And <laughs> don't panic. <laughs> also, yeah, and you also you can do things. So, for example, I, I agree in terms of being trying to engage older children in activities they aren't naturally interested in is a real, it's a real challenge. Yeah. It's really really <laughs> tricky. Um, but to a certain extent, you can be more open and honest with the older children and demonstrate, you know, the way in which their actions yeah, know, really I do, yeah. make a difference. I'm, um, I'm very open and honest with with um, my eldest, and he's he will he will draw the curtains and turn the light on in the time, which is something <laughs> absolutely <laughs> cannot handle. So you're twitching. <laughs> yes, he gets a lecture. Hello, oh, Chacho. <laughs> For the younger children, though, like Joe was saying, how they are inherently connected already with nature. There are there are obviously things that we can do at home, like in our own homes and kind of in the surrounding areas, like you know, like growing our own veg or feeding the birds or planting yeah. seeds that for bees and recycling, etc. Yeah. Um, that yeah, that we can do gorilla gardening, well. seed bombing. Yes, <laughs> tell people what seed bombing is if they haven't heard it before. That's when you walk around your local area trying to find a patch that looks like it needs some seeds in it, and you, you help it. Give a little help. Throw some seeds down. You can buy the seed bombs as a thing, can't you? Or you can make them yourself. Yeah, yeah, you can. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, so what sorts of things we should, should we be considering at different ages? What are sort of age-appropriate ways, I guess, to discuss nature and the climate crisis and all those sorts of things with people, with, with kids? I say the young with the younger children. It's about encouraging a connect, the connection with nature, and as Helen was saying, it's 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 more about learning to love nature and also understanding how. I think what's really important is understanding the links, like this this you know, like look at what's happening with the insects at the moment. Mm -hmm. We've got a real problem with our pollinators, and it's uh, it's making them understand that if we look after our pollinators, so we you know let's not get rid of all the dandelions because they yeah. are. Amazing source of nectar and pollen for early bees. Um, 
And then just instead of take, ripping all, I fight my husband on this one. I do too. <laughs> yeah. He's always trying to rip them out the ground and I'm like, you touch that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I come back and my husband I've mowed the lawn and I was like, no, I didn't want you to. <laughs> we, need the, we need the dandelions. Dandelions are so important. Do yeah. not be a weed killer on dandelions. <laughs> so, so nurturing that love and grow and 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 you know those connections so they understand there's a chain nature is full of chains and cycles and they're really important to understand yeah and we're fortunate i think in, in i mean certainly in some communities um programs such as the forest schools are sort of instrumental in demonstrating the benefits of nature and protecting protecting you know the area around so children can learn from those sort of processes but but not necessarily they're not obviously readily available in for yeah. all schools around you know certainly around the UK um but that's part and parcel we are hoping to achieve and um implement in schools and we're in the process of developing schools packs um that are going to be free resource tools for schools that allow them to really allow us as kind of as ecotales to contribute to these discussions yeah and what role do you think what role do you think that schools Sort of could or should be playing in educating children about the climate crisis. I know there's been something certainly about secondary schools and should it be on the curriculum and it's rarely even mentioned and all those sorts of yes. things. It's it's a difficult line to walk, I guess. Well, it is and it isn't. I think you know the the next generation are facing an enormous mm. task. They are mm. really going to have to pick up the pieces, so they need to know how to do that. Yeah, yeah you know, absolutely. and they and they also need to understand. That their behavior, that behaviors can't carry on. In mm-hmm. the, you know, we can't measure everything on anymore. And yeah. actually, really interestingly, when we were a, a while ago, we found this um, that Sweden had to ban advertising to children under twelve. Right. Blanket so ban in their country, and they wanted to. When they were in charge of the EU, they wanted to bring that in as um, as like a, a Europe-wide ban. Yeah. yeah. And that got voted down because of the economic pressures and economic losses that that would cause. We've got to stop thinking like that. Wow. Yeah. Because that, you know, they were, that kind of decision making has to stop. Yeah. And it is really telling the whole advertising thing, because I guess it's a little bit easier to avoid adverts now with, you know, Netflix and things like that. So our kids don't tend to see a lot of ads. But then when we go to the cinema... Yeah. And if, you, if, if we're on the rare occasion we're there early and we see the trailers and, or the new adverts, <laughs> and they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is difficult. Yeah, absolutely. It's so powerful. And, and I think they trying to almost educate them about the subliminal message yeah. that it's giving them and all that sort of thing. It's really um, yeah. it's quite scary. So how do you think we help our kids to, to deal with that while society is reforming and changing and hopefully moving away from this kind of more is more um, yeah. sort of mindset, how do we help our kids deal with maybe not having the same things as other people's kids all the time? Yeah, I mean, I think to a certain extent that sort of that peer pressure is always going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's one of those things that you will always, you know, playground antics. Mm is always going to be there and there's always going to be expectation that bigger is better and more, 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 exactly as you say. Um, but I think really that if we set those expectations and highlight awareness around consumption and not necessarily needing more, more, more or new all the time. Explain to them why. Yeah. You know, we, the reasons why you don't need these things. Like, like as you did with the, with the magazine, my daughter always wants those magazines. Yeah. 
<laughs> infinite <laughs> number of plastic <laughs> things in that will one you know that she'll use for about two seconds and then won't have any interest in. And I I just say to her, you know, we we can't we can't buy those things yeah. because the world doesn't need us to. Yeah. yeah. It's so hard though, isn't it? When they're there and they're faced with that plastic tap, that is all they want and they cannot rationalise their way. Oh, mine can't anyway. (laughs) And then the other other thing is to explore alternatives. So in that scenario, for example, look at, why don't we go and have, I'll tell you what, we'll find a new book. Let's go to a book and a book as opposed to, so it's kind of potentially exploring those alternatives, which aren't necessarily top of mind when you're in the supermarket and they're having a meltdown. (laughs) Yes, yes. You know, that's probably not kind of the thing. I've been there and done that certainly with mine. Um, yeah, we're quite lucky there's a charity shop next to yes, the yes. to go to so I can divert them in there and then they come out with like a Beano annual or something which is so much exactly. they get so much more you, use yeah. my children used to think that toy shops were that charity shops were <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is. can we go to the toy shop he means the charity shop yes you can <laughs> absolutely but I think as much as there's a peer pressure for kids there's a peer pressure for parents as well isn't there I remember I posted something on my Facebook page about um, when my kids go to parties, I will tend to make some little biscuits or some giant chocolate buttons or something. And somebody commented, I wish I could, I wish I could do that when my daughter goes to parties. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Why, why can't you? And she said it was that feeling of one-upmanship of present giving within the peer group that her daughter was mm-hmm. in that she felt she had to sort of buy into. And I, and I totally get that. And I do still feel like I'm a slight weirdo going and handing over this jar. Of- <laughs> You're not a weirdo. No. <laughs> it's a shame though, isn't it? I think we've all got to stop. I think we just got to learn not to care. Because... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is really true. Yeah. But, but like you said, there is, you know, there's like, for example, the charity shop option. There are, you know, or, or books mm. or you know instead of taking consumable well, like edibles it could yeah. be taking seeds like packets of seeds yeah. for children yeah so that in that scenario they you know it's a, the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> um so but no it is absolutely and I don't think that's necessarily something that like you know that that subject yeah. of peer pressure is is an ongoing one which is yeah. overnight. to a certain extent you do just have to as you say you just have to kind of bite the bullet and you know take a big deep breath and do it the first time be brave quite yeah. the second time and then, yeah and then make everyone else feel guilty by telling them why you're doing it <laughs> <laughs> i am saving the world <laughs> with your smug halo on that you're but i think it's interesting when you actually stop and have conversations with other parents about these things everybody hates party bags everybody yeah, yeah. Amount of, um presence that you know is overwhelmed by the amount of presents their kids get when they especially if they have a class party and things like that oh, yes. the most popular blog post on my on my blog is plastic free-ish party bags so I think sometimes it just needs one person to step up or a couple of people to step up to almost give the others permission to yeah do it yeah, yeah. lead the way totally we're feeling this peer pressure that maybe actually isn't there <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very true. Yeah, it's very true. And I think there, there is, there tends to be certainly from the, you know, since since my eldest, who's now as I say eight, has been going to parties. I think there's more a trend nowadays mm. to move towards the book, mm. make a of sweets on the side, rather than yeah. you know a bag full of plastic with you know a year's worth of chocolate 
kind of. <laughs> so I think it's, you know, there is, there is a, a move, I think, in that direction yeah. nowadays. And it is becoming certainly more acceptable. And the children love it as well. My, my kids always love getting a book. Yeah, yeah. Now, have you been brave enough? I've tried broaching this with my eldest a few years ago, and I probably should try again. But when he was having a birthday party, I sort of said to him, should we put, like, no presents, please, on the invite? And he was like, no. <laughs> Why would you do that? That's the point of a Oh, bless him. Have you tried that at all with yours, or is it a step too far, do you feel? Uh, that would not work. <laughs> I used to, when, when um, my eldest was younger, I always used to specify no plastic. Oh, okay. And how did that go down with other members of the family and with sort of friends? Were, everyone thought I was completely insane because, yeah. he, as you hear, he's now 12 and he was a baby when I first stumbled upon plastic. Yeah. So everyone thought I was really mean. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And did they respect your wish? Because I think this comes up yes. a lot around Christmas. Is, yeah. saying, I've said to the in-laws, I, you know, not to buy plastic or not to buy this or not to buy that. And they've still gone and done it anyway because they feel that's their right almost as that's yeah. how they their love. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they did respect my wishes. You're obviously much scarier than your average. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> or I'll give you a lecture. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Um, so for older kids, you said your 12-year-old isn't massively kind of engaged now. Is Do you feel that you can still engage him without feeling it's another thing to nag him about? Um, he's not, he is not that engaged. But actually, because he does know quite a lot about it, he he will talk to me about it. And sometimes he'll roll his eyes. But other he can he can get quite passionate about it, but um, but there is a level of understanding there. Like if they've just done something at school, he's in first year of secondary school now, and they did a, a project, an art project on plastic pollution, and he knew so much. I didn't realise so much had gone in and stayed there. <laughs> oh, so it's kind of yeah, it most like of its way in. Actually, <laughs> so have you got any top tips for um? engaging our kids or talking to our kids about climate about plastic about things like that at sort of various stages that's putting you on the spot a little bit but you know maybe preschoolers primary school secondary school things we can do with them or easy starters conversations to have with them well I would say have the conversations as the conversations come up okay um I've as I said I've always been really open and honest with my children and obviously, the younger they are, you don't go into so much yeah. scary detail. But, you know, you can explain to them why, you know, why plastic is bad or why leaving lights on or using energy when you don't need to is, is bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so there's leading by example, then there's being responsive to, uh, you know, to how inquisitive they become, I think. Yeah. Um, because I think as they know more, the questions then become, you know, will come <laughs> thick and fast, usually. And then when they empowered like oh so if I do this exactly yeah then you know and and they will start turning off the lights and they will make you know like with my daughter in the sequence she's now won't buy anything with sequins on it because I've explained to her why that's not a good idea because the sequins are plastic you were saying earlier weren't they that they they are just tiny little bits of plastic that will just never disappear yeah and then as we say we've launched a a sort of a hashtag little initiative called ecotales promise um, and it's just encouraging people to um, talk about one change that they can make mm-hmm. 
uh, that they feel will really make a difference. So, yeah, we've launched that on sort of all our social platforms as uh, uh, to kind of to get the conversation going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Eco Tales Promise hashtag Eco Tales Promise. Correct. Yeah. And what are some examples of things that um, people could do or that you've seen people doing? Like different things like turning off lights, mm. feeding the birds or planting seeds for bees. Yeah. Just, you know, anything, anything you, that you can think of. Yeah. Collecting, oh. <laughs> yeah. collecting litter on the beach obviously is a, is a popular yeah. one as well with all the initiatives going right. on at Using the moment. Using a reusable water bottle. So, you're, you know, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you mentioned litter picking. I think that's a really nice in for kids is to just if you're at the park or as you say at the beach, just say, right, come on, let's just do a quick two minute beach clean. And and that's a really nice in to start the conversation of, oh, ha- what have we found here? And oh, how do you think that ends, ended up here? And that's yeah, a good reason not to buy those and that kind absolutely. of thing. And also about, you know, not dropping litter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and suddenly they're like, oh, look, if you're a litter bug. Look how yeah. selfish you are. Yes. <laughs> Who drops That's the litter? Crazy. That's what I want to know. I never see anyone <laughs> dropping litter and that there's litter everywhere. I'm I know, alone. it's so true, isn't it? Well, actually, interestingly, I, I noticed a post the other day, uh, I think it was on Twitter, and it was this woman who had, on her walk to school, had found a crisp packet in a hedge from 2007. Really? <laughs> still fully intact. It was, obviously, it was faded. Yeah. By date was, uh, was certainly still very obvious. And you just think that's been, you know, sat there in a bush for such a long time. Yeah. Um, I know that, yeah. How old is that kid now? Who, who ate that? Exactly. Crisps or that exactly. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> cool. Um, so what's next for you guys? What's in the pipeline? What are your plans for the sort of short? Well, we, yeah, we've got some really exciting things. So we've got more stories and songs that are coming up. Um, and we've got new Egotales characters that are on their way. Um, sneak previews or is it all hush hush? No, we've got three which we're just in the process of um, of finalising now. Um, so V is our, she's uh, he he's our vanishing species character. Um, we've got Milo microwave. Yeah, microwaves are very large. Oh, he's a very cool but sort of slightly geeky character. So he's um, he's going to be making his way to the. Uh, he's telling you horrible things about your mobile phone. <laughs> we won't want to. <laughs> and microwave. <laughs> and colour bees. Yeah, colony claps. Oh my goodness! So, how long does it take to put an episode together? It sounds like quite an involved process. Yeah, indeed, it is. Well, it depends on how much work I've got on. <laughs> <laughs> if I haven't got much work on, then. Um, yeah, the researching and writing takes a good couple of weeks. And we now have a script consultant. Um, so she looks over everything now. Um, oh. And then everyone needs to be recorded. So it does take, it takes roughly about a month to get from, from the idea through to the yeah. conception of the idea to delivery. And do um, you do all the voices? So we have different people doing the voices. <laughs> We have an amazing woman called Gemma Anderson who is incredible and she is so many of the characters. She is Gregor Greed and she is Kyra Knowledge and if you knew those, if you've ever heard those two voices, <laughs> like she is, she's literally everyone and then and we're also using lots of children now because the children so want to be involved. Brilliant to have them have their little voices so yeah we both feature as well so 
Yeah, because I can imagine it's a bit of a challenge. If I'm reading the kids a story, I've got like two voices and then I'm stuck. Then I'm all yeah. out of options. <laughs> yeah, if Jenna hasn't, she's got millions. <laughs> so no, we're very, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's, we're constantly on the school run. Does anyone, you like drama? Have you been in drama? <laughs> <laughs> How confident your child? Come down for a play date and just, yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, that's what happens. I'm always at my daughter's friend. <laughs> she comes over like, I just need you to do some shouting. Shoving the microphone. <laughs> I think well, I volunteer my kids for shouting. They're very good. <laughs> well, one of our very early uh, social media posts, I think, was just gives an idea. Is when we first recorded the Ecotales kind of intro um, our jingle. Song, yeah. And uh, you'll see from the from the post, we've probably about, what, about 15 children there, all shouting Ecotales and... <laughs> to get the alphabet. Trying to get them to shout at the same time. <laughs> oh God, I can imagine. I heard um, cats with <laughs> It was exactly. hilarious. I got halfway through the word and I just thought, oh my goodness, yeah. we've got half to go. Like, <laughs> did really well. They did really, really well. <laughs> and you're also putting together, you were saying, some resources for schools to use as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we're putting together, we're working on sort of free schools packs um, again. So they will be along the lines of our Ecotales Warrior campaign um, and they will be aligned with the national curriculum and available for schools to download for free um, via all the relevant resource um, portals. Um, and That sounds like a massive job. It yeah, is. it's going to be huge. So that's <laughs> We've recruited everyone we know in education. Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, it, it takes, a, takes a village to raise yes. a child. We're very persuasive, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all about being part of this revolution, you know. Yeah. And it all starts with little small steps. If we can all contribute and make a difference, then, then hopefully it'll make, we'll get there quicker. Yeah, and I think making it easy for people to contribute as well. Sometimes people aren't quite sure they know they want to do something or they need to do something, but they're not quite sure what to do. And actually rather than feeling yeah. a bit guilty maybe about asking people for help or for input, we ought to be feeling really good that we're providing them with an opportunity to, to input and to take some action. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could be, just being an armchair activist is really, mm. you know, just switch your energy supplier. That is a huge thing. Oh yeah, it's one of the biggest impact yeah. things. That, yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when, have you got a time frame? Sorry, I don't want to put you under pressure, but a time frame for the school's resources. Oh, we're working to launch them at the start of next year. Wow. Next school year, say September. September. Um, yeah. Get anything I mean, done over the summer holidays. <laughs> exactly. That's indeed. our plan. But don't yeah. hold us that. <laughs> We've got a lot to do before then. And like you say, you know, we're, 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 we're looking for funding options as well. So we're, we're, it's all self-funded at the moment. So we are... You know, we are trying to build our characters and obviously, um, yeah, once we pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then hopefully next year, we oh, yes. have hoped to um, certainly roll out the Ecotales messaging and our ethos, etc., across uh, festivals. So we're oh, looking brilliant. at people across festivals and launch little initiatives, which are, um, which, which are, like you say, simple and easy for people to engage with. Um, and we've got a we've got kind of a couple of school fates coming up, which we're looking to um, do similar things for as well. So if we can keep momentum going and build build a sort of a blue that we can then roll out across across these festivals and engage with with like minded people, then that'll obviously make it a lot easier. Yeah. And do you find it easier being the two of you together because you can 
spark ideas off each other. You can, when one of you is going, what the hell are we doing? The other one will be like, it's amazing and vice versa. (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely so and, and kind of you know given our backgrounds and the fact that I come from kind of a, a marketing background and business background and Joe's comes from a creative background it's sort of that's one of the things we felt off the bat which was which was we were complementary of it so our skill set worked together and and set I think that is what makes you know has made us and you know we've been fortunate enough to get where we are we've just um, by doing exactly that, batching ideas of uh, ideas of each other, and you know, challenging and the way we think. in friends. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. So, a question that I'm asking, starting to introduce at the end of every podcast now, is who do you think would be a great interviewee? Who else would you love to hear from on Sustainableish? So, um, there is. So, we do have a friend of another person we went to school with. Actually, a friend of ours. She has. Um, uh, a blog called Achieving Greenness. Um, it's really, it's talking about sort of her life changes to becoming more sustainable and green in the way, she, you know, how the wins, the fails, the challenges she's encounters. And, and she documents her adventures around becoming a sort of a greener family in everyday life and, and the sort of things you can, um, yeah, she can, or she aims to achieve across everyday living, really. And that's Achieving Greenness. <laughs> Yeah, it's called Achieving Greenness. Achieving Greenness. I shall check that out. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so lastly, where can we come and find you online on yeah, your website and your social platforms and things? So we uh, our website is ecotales.co.uk. You can find our songs and podcasts on Spotify or Podbean. Or iTunes. iTunes. Just search for Google Ecotales. Google. And in, in Canada, I don't know if you have, um, they're available on Google Play. And we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Fab. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting and letting us know about EcoTales and giving thank us you. some ideas for talking to our kids without, hopefully without freaking them out. <laughs> um, I didn't know about that. <laughs> and, uh, good luck with everything. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time.